0: These are important considerations. Good evening everybody. Um, before I get into the content of the talk tonight, I wanted to say a few words about listening to Dhamma, um, which is different, I think, than reading it. Um, there's something that has to, the, there's the intellect that has to come in and interpret those squiggles. And with listening, my senses, I think we can bypass some of that intellect and a bit more of a like a transmission or just like a direct receiving. So, which is great. That's that's a, you know a preferred way to receive uh, teachings. And so the encouragement is to stay in that place. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, some things you'll hear will kind of um, jibe with your sensibility, or kind of be congruent with how you understand the teachings, yeah, etc. You know, you, you resonate with. Um, great, and that just happens. It's good. Other things you may hear, and you know, whether it's tonight or any time, this isn't just about this talk. Uh, it's about listening to to Dhamma. Other things you'll hear um, you don't understand or um, it's not clear or, um, gee, that's not what I signed up for (laughs) or, you know, this. And if that happens, you know, just let it, like, let it go by. Don't start to struggle with it and try to figure it out. Don't bring the intellect mind in to, to, to start to wrestle with it, yeah? Let it go by and stay in that receptive, non-intellectual mode, yeah? Okay. Um, like I said um, on Monday night, um, I talked a little bit about the theme, of, you know, finding a suitable home, for the heart and the body, um, talked a little bit about that, and said I talk more about it, so that 's going to flesh that out uh, tonight and um, you know usually Dharma talks like they're about one one thing <laughs> forty five minutes is one thing, but they 're kind of like different angles in on it, different facets yeah of that one thing, so um, I was thinking about like what are the facets of the of this, one, this talk, finding uh, a suitable home for the heart and the body. And what I came up with is um, so really looking at where the chitta's home is. Like really spending some time with that. Um, then why doesn't it currently live there? <laughs> That's its home. <laughs> um, and then the third one is how to help it find its way home. And then the fourth one is, you know, as best as this can be transmitted as possibly, because each of us, this fourth one is really each of our job. What is the experience of being home? What is the experience of the chitta when it's home? Um... So just to review quickly, um, in the Dharma teachings, two aspects of the mind, manos and citta. Manos, intellectual, figuring out, calculating aspect of the mind. Citta, emotive, sensitive, um, um, yeah, part of the mind. Which, if we had to pick an English word for it, we would, we would pick the word heart. So I'll be using those two words interchangeably tonight. So why isn't the body and the present moment currently the chitta's home? The the cliff note is habit. It's just in the habit. Of not being here, and <laughs> you've been on a retreat for two days. That's not—that's not an idea for you, right? That's a direct experience that that you know. Good, good. Um, I was uh, talking to one of the groups today about how there's two modes of practice that we go back and forth from. One is. Um, when um, you know, when the heart and mind is present, and when we're not struggling with life, and there's equanimity, and there's loving kindness, and there's no suffering, it's it's all it's okay. It's good. There's no there's no struggle. Sometimes we're there, and we can know that we can be mindful of that and experience that good practice. Then <laughs> there's times when we are struggling and suffering. we can see it. We experience it, not as, as an idea, but in the moment, we see the mechanics of how we suffer because we're watching it in the moment. Yeah? Plenty of time on retreat to do that. Yeah? Good practice. Both of those are equal, both equally good practice. And they're both equally onward leading towards liberation. If I could, like, implant something <laughs> into your head, it would be that. They're both equal. And then someone said, which is really true, it was great, yeah, but one of them's more pleasant, right? <laughs> and because of our bias to pleasant, we think that's good practice, or better practice. But it's not, it's just more pleasant. They're both equally onward leading. Yeah. That was a little side... Now I have to remember where I left off. <clears throat> Rats. I don't back. Hmm. Just pause. I am pausing. <laughs> why? Why isn't the heart currently, and, and why is its home not in the present moment? Yeah, we've seen it. Right. The habit. You know, but just a little bit more um, fleshed out that habit. It's because, it's a habit because um, of something called ignorance, right? So you've, maybe if you heard Dharma teachings, right? Ignorance, ignorance is the root defilement. It's even it's even more fundamental than greed, hatred, and delusion. Greed, hatred, and delusion arise from ignorance. Yep. Um, it doesn't know where to find fulfillment. It just doesn't know. And so because it doesn't know, it looks in the wrong places, which is out, outward into the sense world, into the sense realm. It doesn't know that actually, we don't know, it doesn't know that you know, the fulfillment is here. There's a great sutta um, about where there's a, you know, a lot of them are similes. The Buddha taught a ton in simile, which is really great because it's not intellectual. It's like you kind of get it from the simile, you know. Um, And the simile in this one is that um, a very poor family, like barely having enough to eat, like just scraping by, um, and, you know, living in that way, and just living in this, like, hovel, you know. And what they didn't know was buried underneath the floorboards was a treasure of gold, yeah? But they didn't know it, and therefore, yeah, so you get it. That, that was the Buddha talking about how when the chitta is ignorant to where the gold is, it lives as though it's not there. So if it's not here, of course it's out there. Right? Of course that's where it is. There's nothing here. This isn't... And I'm not even going to go into the thousands of years of cultural stuff about how we've mistrusted the body and patriarchy and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole other talk. <laughs> but it's definitely not here. Here's a great. We'll we'll just go there for one second. Here's a great exercise. (laughs) Try not to think at all. Try not to be cute. Try not to just as as best as you can follow my instructions. I'm going to ask you to do something. It's a bodily movement. It won't be weird. You won't look like we're doing it. You can you can trust that. Okay. Ready? Point to heaven. One yeah, every once in a while someone does this, but yeah, it's not here. That's deep. That's really deep, thousands of years cultural conditioning. So just to name that. Um, so in its ignorance, it looks out there. That's that's and then it's in the habit of doing that. And yeah. So that's why. What's interesting, though, so the the citta gets excited about, maybe it's there, like, (coughs) you know. But it's actually what habituates the citta isn't the experience of the sense object once it connects with it. It's not that. It's the excitement of the possibility of finding it there. That's the passion. That's the impassioned chitta, like that. That's what gets addicted, addictive. Not, this, not the. Because the experience itself could be maybe not even that great. But if that is strong enough, it overrides it. There's no discriminating wisdom in the moment and that rules the day. Yeah, you've all had, I'm sure, ex- like examples of, uh, of that in your life. Um, mm, maybe one from my life, like going to a movie. Like, like, that'll be good. You know, right? Like just that, that'll be good. And then you look and see, and you know, as usually is the case, it's horrible, whatever's playing. You know? <laughs> but, but, remember, the discriminating wisdom goes offline if that's strong enough. And then you end up going to the movie. And, it's like, and then you walk out. You know that feeling like how you just wasted two hours of your life? You know that? That sinking feeling? But then, the next time, if if there's not enough practice or whatever, oh, a movie. And it goes and goes, yeah. So it's the it's the lighting up, it's the the passion in that moment that is what's getting us, not actually the the the, the actual contact with the sense object. And in meditation, you definitely can know this when you're meditating. You're just sitting there minding your old business, maybe even quite calm and relaxed, present moment, body, breath, sounds. this nice. And a thought comes up. That'll be good, right? If it had words, it's, that'll be good. And remember now, there's no discriminating wisdom it's the thought you've had a hundred times already this morning, and you know it goes nowhere except the same dead end. And yet, if yet is strong enough, off we go. Yeah, that's the mechanics of how the habit goes. And we can see it. You're laughing because you know, because you've seen it, which is good. Ah, good practice. Madeline once said, I, I know you never remember this, but it's just it's just great. It's a gem. The present moment is an acquired taste. <laughs> Have you heard her say that? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I use it all the time, shamelessly. But I, I do. I do. Um, what's it called? I do credit the author. So to the to the chitta that is accustomed to, kind of addicted to this sense contact, right? And this is why when you're doing walking meditation, you start looking around. Or, or you see you, yogis, or I certainly have done it, it's like anything, anything. You pick up the cleaning fluid and you look at what company it was made from and where that, right? You, look, you read the back. Anything, because it's contact. But So to the chitta that's used to that, Landing kind of when you all of a sudden you land in the present moment, especially on retreat, a bit more, it can be kind of a letdown. All right, you wake up from being lost in thought, you come back to the anchor, and it's kind of like, right, and meh, yeah, and then because it's meh, what else? the citta goes out and goes after a shinier object than what's in the present moment. And the, the and the present moment is an acquired taste because we need to cultivate um, like close attention. yoniso um, Manasikara, deep attention. When we do that or to the degree that we can do that, then the present moment is... Anything but dull, and the chitta, you know, really would be happy to stay in that place. But we have to look closely at it because what can seem one way, actually, it like it's just the surface appearance. I was just telling um, we were just having a conversation, and um. So I used to um, like. I used to like, or I thought I liked watching the Patriots play football. <laughs> and so the surface appearance, just the quick, no depth, just surface. Sunday eight Patriots. Oh boy, good. Equal good. right? But then, not not really trying. I. I started to become aware of how anxious I was as I watched the game. I used to have a glass of water next to me and keep sipping it because I was so out of my mind. And slowly, slowly, with you know, some deep attention, it it started to get clear. Like this is not fun. This is I actually don't like this. And and very fairly quickly, just just no. Yeah, or it could go the other way. Something that we're not gonna like. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna be a drag. Just quick. Um, I have a great, great example of this. Another from my life. Um, there's a particular dish here that they make called Arabian chickpea curry, Arabian chickpea stew, stew. And one time, just one time they put too much cumin in it. Do you know how it's easy to go over the edge with k- cumin? It, w- they w- it was over the edge. And, it was just, yuck, you know? So now, every time I see Arabian chickpea cumin, it's like, ugh. Right? That's a very surface based on a memory of, right? It's a very, sur- it's not deep attention. And, then I, I eat it because it's there and I eat it and it's like, this isn't bad, this is, it's not my favorite, it's still not my favorite, but this is all right, this is, yeah. But it's interesting, even with that, there's a moment when I see it, it's like, oh. But more and more and more, you know, deep attention. No, that's actually not how it is, it's like this. It feels like this, but really, it's like this. so when we can cultivate deep attention or to, or to the degree that we can then the present moment becomes much richer and more than happy to to hang out here we tra- we actually train ourselves to be intimate with the moment not just a quick gloss like you know if i were just to say to you oh hi how are you doing right that's just a t- Spend time with you, ask questions, hang out, you know, become more intimate. We get more intimate with the present moment. In the, um, in the Zen tradition, there's actually, an, e- an e- equ- not equation, they equate, there's a saying that enlightenment um, is being intimate with all things. I think that's a Dogen quote, actually. Enlightenment is being intimate with all things. So uh this body and the chitta are very very deeply sympathetic with one another. Very just so so close. And it can be a bit challenging to go like to get at the chitta. It's it's formless, it's, it's, you get a handle on it. But the body, you know, it's it's more accessible to us. So, if you want the chitta to be present, relaxed, at ease, like, you know, kind of like, you know, sometimes the analogy that gets used is like, a, I don't know, the, the family pet, like at rest at the hearth sleeping by the fire, just at home, yeah? If you want it to be relaxed, at ease, calm, then calm and relax the body. Like, because they're so sympathetic, use the body as the door to shape or cultivate the chitta the way you want it to. Because if the body is relaxed and calm, for the most part, the chitta will be relaxed and calm. So this is part of what we do when we meditate. And is one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why the body plays such a big role in meditating. We, we are cultivating, as we meditate, as you sit and walk, you're building this home for the heart. So we really we start by learning to inhabit our bodies, which can take some doing because we've been so trained to move through this world, leading with the intellect, leaning on the intellect, relying on the intellect, bowing down to the intellect. Right? What's the What's the institution with the biggest endowment in the world? Harvard University, we put our money where we think importance is the intellect. So we're just, it's not wrong, but we are trained to not be in our bodies. And so, for different degrees, for different of us, but in general, it takes some work to get back in there. So we, we train ourselves to inhabit our bodies. And I think I spoke to this uh, relationship and I'll say it again because it's really important and helpful and, and important to experience not just as a concept this very sympathetic relationship between relaxing the body and feeling the body. One begets the other. One deepens the other. They deepen in tandem. If all you did during this retreat was relax your body. When you were sitting, when you were walking, when you were eating it would very much be time well spent. Sometimes working with uh, students individually Someone might have this intention of like, oh, I'm not connected to my heart. I wanna, you know, I want to get closer to my heart. The um, first thing I ask them is, how's your relationship with your body? Oh, what? <laughs> Inhabit your body deeply and it will lead you to your heart. Like, what? No, I want to get in touch with my heart. I know, I heard you. <laughs> Develop an ever more intimate relationship with your body, and it will lead you to your heart. And some, it's like, you don't know what you're talking about. And, and others, okay, all right, I, you know, you're my teacher, I trust you, give it a shot. And it takes a while, because for some of us it takes a while to uh, inhabit our bodies, Um, Really, some of us lean really hard on the intellect for our sense of self, our sense of well-being, etc. Um, But in time, it's like, oh, it does work. (laughs) Yeah. So, by developing body awareness, we begin to build a Dhamma-Vihara. Dhamma teachings, the, the, how things are. Vihara is a home, dwelling place. Dhamma Vihara. We build this home to live in. Now the the, the chitta is very attuned to excitement and being impassioned. Yes, yeah, as, I've, as I've been saying, that's that's kind of what it does. It's. it's right it's it's the emotive aspect of the mind sensitive and as i said it's this excitement that is what's addictive not the sense object and i really i really encourage you to see if that's true for you yourself check that that piece out <laughs> the chitta is also attuned to the lack of excitement and calm very much so and if it had to choose it chooses calm but it has to know that it's there and available first before it can choose it it has to experience it it has to have some experience of it before It can start, before it can start to break that habit of going out to try to be fulfilled. And again, that's what we're doing. One of the things we're doing when we're meditating. So we develop calm and steadiness in the body. So because the chitta is so attuned to the body, it can start to experience what it's like not to be impassioned and not to be going out into the sense world. It's very hard to work with it directly. Don't do that. Well, no, but give it that experience in the body and it'll start to learn. And as we start to do that with the body a bit more consistently, then, again, you can start to say, we are building the home. It stops being so interested in the shiny things of the world. It's just less interested. It's happy to be just where it is, at home, here, in the present moment, in the body. time Wow okay thanks so besides creating a, a, a proper home for the chitta we want to give it we also have to feed it nourishing food right because a home is good but if you don't eat well then not going to be healthy so when the the untrained heart the ignorant heart. um, What it does, it tries to feed on sense contact. So if you're not familiar with that phrase, uh, we have these sense doors. There are six of them. Five of the body, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. And then one of, like, mind, thinking. uh, (laughs) Classic. Oh, yeah, emotions. (laughs) Thoughts and emotions. Oh, those, right. <laughs> uh, so those are the six sense doors, and we contact the world through these sense doors. Yeah, so sense contact, that's the contact. When the chitta is ignorant, it tries to feed on that contact. It tries to get nourishment from that contact. And um you could say it's junk food because it doesn't have the capacity. It's not like sense contact is evil; should be banished from this world. It just doesn't have the capacity to nourish, to give the chitta the nourishment that it needs. Just like um, you know, junk food doesn't have the capacity to give us the, the nutritional nourishment that we need. And, furthermore, because this isn't clear, again, that there is ignorance, not seeing, it just keeps trying. It just keeps trying and trying and trying and trying. Continue to be malnourished. Continue to try to find nourishment slash spiritual fulfillment where it can't be found. And just continuing. Because there's it can't see out of it. It doesn't know. And it keeps trying, it keeps trying. This is the kind of the mechanics of the Pali word, maybe Sanskrit too. Is it samsara? Is that both? Yeah. Some Pali and Sanskrit words are the same. That's samsara. Just continuing. And, you know, in the teachings they talk about wandering through endless lifetimes in this state without seeing without coming to to know that this is junk food and it won't work it can't work it's not possible so as with all junk food there are like detrimental side effects Right? It's not just that junk food doesn't nourish us, like it makes us sick, right? Get whatever, the side effects. The citta becomes cut off from the present moment because it's looking, wandering. You know when you're just maybe at home and um, you kind of just land there with yourself for a moment and then you reach for the phone yeah everyone know this yeah that's that we actually cut ourselves off from the present moment that you just landed in But because the habit to not be there, because we don't know or understand or see that that's actually where the treasure is, go to that shiny phone. They know exactly what colors to put on that. It's all planned. That's this. that 's the and, and then we 're cut off from the present moment we 're just looking that 's when I, I think I used the boat in the ocean now we 're out in the ocean, untethered from the mooring, no motor, no uh, keel, just no direction, no ability to even go into a direction, just just batted batting or batted around by the waves. there's this there 's this um very um, wonderful and exquisite um, kind of poem or something um, which I'm not going to remember in the moment because there's too much pressure. If I do, I'll put it up on the board that speaks to, to this. You know which one I'm talking about? No, um, a little more. I can't do it and do this at the same time. So it also gets shaped by these things. So it's cut off in the present moment, but then it gets shaped by coming into contact with all this yuck. And so its shape becomes yucky. The citta becomes starts to become yucky because it gets shaped by all, what it is con- consistently in contact with, what it's feeding on. So we give the chitta nourishing food, like calm in the body, like loving kindness, like generosity, like patience. Yeah? These don't have any detrimental side effects. They're just good food. Moreover they don't have to the chitta doesn't have to wander anywhere to find them they're produced in the heart by the heart it starts to become self-fed this is when dorothy gale figures out that the farm is Where she wants to be. Yeah, this is the place. We may make it. The citta has a really important quality to it, a capacity. And that is to turn and reflect on itself and go, how is this? how is this affecting me? How am I with this? Basically, how is this? Yeah? This is one of the main qualities that supports or allows the ignorant mind to wake up. How is this? If it weren't for this reflective quality that the the, the heart has, freedom wouldn't be possible because our learning on this path is an experiential learning how is this is this happiness or is this suffering how is this when the chitta becomes impassioned this ability goes offline it can't self-reflect just and a great a great you know example of this, which I think probably most of us can relate to, is if like at one time in your life you ever kind of like went head over heels for somebody, you know just totally in impassioned right like full on out of control, right you know. No ability to reflect on the situation it, that goes offline. They could be behaving in ways that would, like, that, and that sometimes does happen. Make your friends go, "Oh my God, this person is bad news." And to you, it's like, "Oh, but oh, right?" Because because the chitta is so impassioned, that's so strong that the reflective quality is just completely out the door. So that's just a, an example of that and you know it's an extreme example but and this is the primary reason why we don't want in, on this path why passion is not a good thing for the chitta. That reason, just that reason right there because the reflective quality which allows liberation to take place goes offline. Now you hear, and it's this part of the talk or this part of talking about passion, where you go, "I don't want to live a passionless life." <laughs> I did not sign up for that. I You know, I don't want to be an automaton." Well, two two things. First is... There are tons of really wholesome things to become passionate about that aren't going to take the citta offline. They aren't going to take that. And um, when I was thinking about it, what just came to the top of my head was, if you ever saw the movie Schindler's List, when he figures out how he can save people, do you remember that? Do you remember how... And that scene with he and ben, ben Kingsley doing the math, and like, he was impassioned, right? But that's not, that wasn't problematic. That wasn't a problematic, impassioned. Because it wasn't the, of, that's where I'm going to find my happiness. Yeah, so there are plenty of things to be, and have passion about in this world that aren't problematic. The other thing, I said two things. The other thing is, you know, the examples I gave, um, when when we do start to have deeper attention, some things will fall away that you are into now. (laughs) They just will. Not all of them, but some will, for sure. But when they fall away, far from being like this barren landscape that's left over, it's not that. It's not barren. It's open. It's it's very light. Um, words. There's, you, don't, you don't want to be any other place. You'd much rather have that than anything, really. It's the opposite of barren. So just know that things will fall away because you're seeing them with more deep attention. But it's a good thing. The ones that do fall away, it opens the space for something much, much more fulfilling. There's a reason, like if you just kind of look at world religions or spiritual paths, there's a reason why letting go plays such a prominent part in all of them. It's this right here, what what I'm I'm talking about. It's not barren when we let go. It's actually we let go into something far more, um, use a more kind of a, Dazzling word, sublime. And so the chitta starts to find out where his home is, sleeping comfortably by the fire. Um, Stops going out into the world. In fact, it stops it withdraws from the sense world. It actually withdraws, but not separates. This is this is a really key even just intellectually, you know, and it withdraws, but what it's withdrawing is any hope or desire to find anything worthwhile there. It's available it's, it's not um, what's what I use it's not cut off at all. in fact by withdrawing and by not demanding that the sense world give me what I need, it's actually way, way more available to have an appropriate response when needed. In the Zen tradition, they, have, they say enlightenment is an appropriate response. Yeah? By not demanding, going out and demanding that sense objects in the sense world give us what, try to fulfill us, it opens up the space to actually be way, way, way more um, available. So this is like, and in the, I'll just leave you with this. In the early Buddhist teachings, there's a classical progression called dispassion, cessation, nibbana. It's just leading in that direction. And I'll just leave that with you because that's a whole nother talk. But just to like, hmm, how might what I heard dispassion, cessation, stopping, withdrawing? Okay. Um, So now we'll let the words go. Really drop away from the intellect of even having to hear words. Just sit for a moment or two with embodied experience and come back to yeah the non-intellectual present moment somatic experience Isn't a million miles away and which really doesn't take time to be with the the gold treasure is directly under the floorboards.